setting a lovely table encourages all manner of healthy habits. People around the table, both family and friends, enjoy the visual beauty. We are encouraged to linger and relax. We are motivated to eat slowly, savoring the flavors, and enjoying each other's company. Vietri, the ceramics company, celebrates its 40th year with the publication of Italy on a Plate. We speak about it today on Tip of the Tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We are here today with Susan Gravely. She is the CEO and founder of Vietri, the magnificent Italian ceramics company, which is celebrating its 40th year this year. Her book, Italy on a Plate, Travels, Memories, Menus, celebrates the country of Italy, as well as the Italian family that she has assembled. Welcome, Susan. Thank you, Liz. I am so glad to be here with you. So one of the things that I really love about your book in particular is that it celebrates not only the food, but also what the table looks like, because that to me is really part of our culture to put things on beautiful or sentimental or some other kind of plate that we have. You know how people keep their grandmother's platter and they always serve some kind of roast or some something that the grandmother made on that platter because it was hers. Even if it has cracks and chips and whatever, it doesn't matter. So it's not always because it's beautiful, but when it is beautiful, as the things in your book are, it is really nice. So I, I loved that about this book, which I thought was illustrative of the families that you were talking about, as well as the food that you put on them. So it was great. Thank you, Liz. You know, I think you said it beautifully. Starting and running a company like the Adrian, now writing this book, it all meshes together that it's really about the joy of being together, being around a table and that table either being a metaphor or being a real table, eating together and sharing our backgrounds, our love for food, our love for artisans and having wonderful conversations. So I see it in Italy as well as I see it, especially with all of my Southern friends that, you know, old heirlooms are very important to be put with things that you love today. Well, and all of these beautiful ceramics that you photograph, of course, and of course you sell, et cetera, but so they can become heirlooms because they are that lovely, which is also really nice. You know, I'm half Sicilian. Oh. And so I see a lot of things in your book and in the recipes in your book that are so much, um, so much 
part of my growing up. My mother was first generation, but my grandmother was an adult when she came here to America. And she was part of this very large Sicilian community that moved to New Orleans that so many people don't know about. But there were almost 100,000 Sicilians who moved to New Orleans around the turn of the 20th century. Well, Sicily is one of my most favorite parts of Italy. The people, you know, any person who lives around the Mediterranean or even close to any water and sunshine, they're warm, they're more relaxed. And, you know, they always use those main five ingredients, olive oil, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of lemon juice, some herbs, alio olio, and there's one more. And right now I'm not even remembering. Olive oil, lemon, it's all natural and it's all about easy cooking. And right. especially in Sicily, a lot of the seafoods are so divine. That's, that's really, really true. So I really love the story of how you started the company. So would you mind telling us the short version? Yeah, I'd love to. The short version was that my father was an international tobacco, third generation. We had lots of foreigners in our homes so entertaining and being around the table. And as a child, being able to listen to their accents and what they were saying was really important. My father had had some heart disease. He had had good surgeries, but he sold his company early at 60 and lo and behold, went down to Georgia to meet the Italian conglomerate, came back, felt poorly, and had a massive heart attack. He and Mama had planned this fabulous trip to Italy, which two years later, my mother called my sister, who had just had her second child in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was in New York at the time and said, will you go with me on this trip to Italy? Which for the rest of her life, if mama asked us to go on a trip, we stopped everything and would go with her because she traveled beautifully and was just such a grand gal. So off we went on this trip, flew Alitalia so that we were totally Italian (laughs) off, went to Rome, went down to the Amalfi Coast and stayed at the glorious Il San Pietro, which was designed by Carlo Cinque. And it went through the the mountainside of the Amalfi Coast to enter into a cut cave-like high-ceilinged living space with white cotton fabric furniture and dark tiles and overlooking the sea and to the left were peach colored tablecloths with all these ceramic plates and lots of patterns and having a lot of dinnerware and loving to entertain we just fell in love spent three of our five days with a driver and looking and thinking about buying for our friends, our family, opening a retail store. And we had drinks with a lovely couple from New York. And we were telling them about this. And they said, you should not retail. You love to design clearly. You should wholesale and distribute. And we had no idea what that meant, but we knew we could do it. Tobacco went back and forth around the world. So Mm -hmm. that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was a family affair then. This was the whole family. Well, three of five of us, my two brothers were not involved and they were furious from day one, but mama wanted to make it a girl's trip. So the girls, my mother, Lee Gravely, my sister Frances and I started the company. Okay. So how is it now that you are looking at 40 years and looking back on everything that you've done? What stands out the most for you? I think, you know, the first thing that always comes to mind for me are my mother and sister, because family is family. Uh, Italy resonated with me because family is so important. And I have just wonderful memories of traveling with them and all the Italians calling my mother, mama, mama da Beatri. Uh, the next was, of course, that combination of people and home and food and the arts. Mm -hmm. And food is a key ingredient to life, to nourishment, and also to relationships. Being Southern as you are and I am, you know, we invite people over immediately, think they're our friends, and they have to kind of be mean three times and we think we're not going to see them anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> You know, you need to get to know them three times and have something positive happen. And then maybe they invite you to their home. Mm -hmm. So being invited to the home and sitting with them um, just started this lifelong learning of more about family and graciousness and the Italian spirit. Well, it also seems as though you really formed family there too, which yes. speaks a lot to you because I don't think every business works that way. Right. I think you're right. I was naturally always interested in what makes people love what they do. And I also believe that it all starts with their childhood and what did we love to do as children? Did we love to write or draw or be outside? And and so I was curious always about the family and the people that work there. But I also went with time. You know, I sat with the workers. I created new designs. I asked their opinions. I looked at clays with them. I took their experience with my knowledge of the American market. So it was always Italian inspired and hopefully it was American loved. So there was, you know, a little shade of difference, but I think spending that kind of time with anybody who loves what they do, you start this magical family tie. So did you actually take Italian lessons or did you learn Italian just because you were just surrounded by it? I did both. We started the company officially on our second trip to negotiate our contract. And what well, we incorporated in August, we went in September and the next May I found out about a summer class from the University of North Carolina, because I live in Chapel Hill, 
And I went with a group of students and a professor to Sicily, to Taormina. Mm -hmm. Well, the students were not there to learn Italian. So I had a lot of private lessons and was, uh, uh, you know, helping the professor as he wrung his hands, afraid he wouldn't be going back to see his mother next year because the <laughs> students come. And I took advantage of every second of it. After that, it was about, I always keep a notebook with me. I was always writing down words and practicing. And it took 10 years really to be able to feel proficient and very comfortable in a second language. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I think it is a remarkable skill to not only learn a language, but to actually conduct business in another language. I mean, that's a different level of speaking. You need a lot of precision and you have to have a particular vocabulary that revolves around work and economy and business. So yeah, I admire I, I think that was probably my better language to tell you the truth. The, the other parts came uh, more slowly because we didn't have the experience. I was nervous about what they were saying when I was negotiating. So I I picked up those business words pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So tell me how you decided what recipes. Liz, it was a really interesting process because I'd been asked many times that I should write a book and talk about either the business end of the company or the the ceramic end or people. And with our 40th year coming, my young, fabulous colleague said, Susan, will you write this book now? And so I made an outline of people and places that had been the most impactful in these 40 years. And then, you know, I don't know if you do this, but I dream a lot about whatever I'm working on. So mm -hmm. I think it came sometime early in the morning and I thought, I'm going to write about them, ask them if I can do this, mm -hmm. and then center it not only around the business, but also about them and their homes and their family recipes. And that's what happened. I they would they all said yes. They all wanted to to ask. They asked me what I was going to write, and I said, "Well, I'm going to write it, and then you can read it." <laughs> and then after they read it, and you know, we were at the next step. We started talking about their family recipes, and that's how it evolved, Liz. It was. Getting, you know, well, what about this? What about this? It was always indigenous to where they lived mm -hmm. and to the fresh foods and a lot of vegetables and everything being very light. Mm -hmm. So, um, and easy because it was their family recipes that they cook often. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that the benefit of working with family-owned businesses comes through in this book. There also have to be some difficulties of working with family-owned businesses that you probably aren't wanting to emphasize or complain about in a book like this. 
was it really hard to get the scale and other things that you needed, the schedules and whatever, especially in the beginning? I could imagine that as you worked with a the company, they would adapt. But in the beginning, was that very difficult? It really wasn't. And you know, I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but I'd work I've worked with them for a long, long time. And they were curious about this book. And they were honored that I would even think about them. Family businesses in Italy and in America seem a little different. And in Italy, it is almost a rite of passage. And they let their children go and do, or many of them didn't even talk about it. I'd say three-fourths of the children went to college, and then they would just come back, and they would manage different parts of the business. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, one family, the Fabros, the 19-year-old son came and stayed with us for a month last year just to see what Vietri was like. Mm -hmm. He'll handle the operations end of their business. For Americans, a lot of times there's it's more difficult. It's hard for older generations to let go or to ex accept or encourage newness or there's competition among the siblings. And this is just knowledge from being involved on family business boards. I had some good experience and challenges in our business, but from the Italian side, there's one family that's in the third generation with eight siblings, and that's hard, uh -huh. but they work it out in a kind of nonverbal way. So we ended up, after we chose the recipes and and tested a lot and you know, translated them, then my husband and I and a group from our, you know, from Vietri went over and met with two fabulous Italian photographers, two young women. Mm -hmm. And that then we went into their homes and they loved it. You know, we didn't intrude. We didn't go into places that were not wanted. And um, it turned out to be what you saw. So when you are preparing these dishes, did they give you the recipes, the family recipes, and then did you had to translate them into cups and teaspoons and all of that sort of thing, I can imagine. So was that fun or was that a chore? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. We hired somebody to translate that part because we were so busy with everything else okay I tasted everything and not until a little bit later did I make most everything and there are a few things that I'm still tweaking and saying okay on the difference in the flavor except for my taste. But this was so new for all of us because we have run a company of ceramic and glass and wood, everything for the table and garden. And suddenly we're doing a book 
So it was learn by more knowledge and it was exciting. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't food. Uh-huh. It and all these, I work with a lot of young people and they just are continuously so excited about this that it's made me feel like <laughs> a plate star or something. So it's it's been a great experience. So tell me something about a family business. This is something that I I notice here in, in the U.S. that when there is a family business and then you start putting in the two, you know, one family starts it, then, right. then that family, the children grow up and then there are two or three children. And then you have to incorporate three more people into the family and then they have children and then you're up to six or so. How do you make that work? Well, um, I am not going to have that situation because I didn't have children and I married very late. We tried a couple of a nephew and a, the husband of a cousin and the fit wasn't right. And I was very open about it and would meet with them a lot. So I'm kind of going a different route. For many people that have um, been in the experience that you're discussing, the key is that the leadership mentors, as opposed to runs, that they give people a broad experience to see where their strengths and weaknesses are, and that the families have ongoing family meetings. And those families that I know that have committed to that and done that have had a much easier time because the way a family runs and the way a corporation runs are two totally different phenomenons. Mm -hmm. And so the earliest we can all learn how to be professionals and responsible for our part of a business and happen to be a family member Mm -hmm. is always better. But that is really, really hard. Yeah, I could see where you almost might want to go work somewhere else and learn how to be a professional and then come back to the family business with that experience. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful idea. And many multi-generational families do exactly that Mm -hmm. they expect them to do summer internships they expect them to have at least two years of experience away if they're interested in coming on board Mm -hmm. I, i will tell you that when it works there's nothing greater because you have you know trust and you have somebody that has your back and somebody that you know will tell you the absolute truth good and bad uh-huh, uh-huh. That's but it terrific. doesn't work it it's more painful than any other type of business because you haven't transferred that family hierarchy to another way of thinking and it's hard it's hard so i I try to advise families to go to family counselors and start meetings early with children 
and give them summer experiences when they're really young. So they just ease into seeing what the relationships are. Right. So I want to talk about something different for a minute, and that is the design part of yes. this. Now you talk about that quite a bit in your book. So tell me a little bit about the collaboration and the creativity and all of that that goes into new designs. From the beginning, I must say my mother had the best design sense of anybody I've ever met. And so she would go with me when we would be working on new designs. And she just had an eye for color. She had an eye for design. And I would describe it as classic elegance or casual elegance. Um, With that, when she stopped, I started creating a team. And I learned quickly that every factory had a different hand, worked in a different material, had different expertise, and that we needed to be inspired by their expertise Mm -hmm. in our creation process. Creation process can be immediate to three years in a behind time in advance. And so that we're looking at trends, we're creating boards of trends. And we're now with a probably about 20 factories that are the most important factories. We're you know making these long kind of template outlines of who is strong and what and what is that trend going to look like. On top of all that, it's about seeing it. It is created. And once it's right, it's right. Mm -hmm. And it's a sixth sense. I think some people have a really good sense of smell or hearing. And I can't draw anything, but I can see it and I can envision it. And so we have you know, graphic designers who can sketch things. We Mm -hmm. have very good linguists who can explain things. And then we, we sample. So from beginning to end, it will be on an average about a year in process. And we try to work a year in advance so that we always have that turn when we're at the factories or when we're online with them. Did I, did answer that well yeah that 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 gives the explanation do you usually go to italy to work with people do you simply send designs first and then go and see what they produce do they send samples to you how does that work all of the above okay it's changed a lot you know when i started there was no iphone there was no fax machine so I spent probably five, six months a year over there. We were finding new factories. We were learning what our look was. We were creating a lot of samples to find kind of our niche. And then once we had worked with people long enough, they would create ideas and then send us samples on the containers and we'd see them. But I still now we have a design manager, product design manager, and I'm still real involved in design. And I will be there three times a year 
So, um, but also like today, I'll get a WhatsApp and say, a speta, a speta, wait, wait. And then suddenly these pictures will come up and we can talk about it and they're so proud. And so, you know, I really work hard. We all do on the importance of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm, none of us take credit for one design. We might, I might say Natalie was inspired by the Nutcracker, but it's always the work of many hands, many eyes. And I, I could imagine too, it depends on what kind of clay is being used yeah. and all sorts yeah. of things like that. All of that. And, you know, we do a lot of glass and we still work with mouth blown glass and moles and now a lot of color infusion. And it's, it all varies in how that's being made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you ever envision things that would not be manufactured in Italy? It has been really important to us to always be handmade, mouth blown, and and to be fair trade wherever we are. Uh -huh. So do do some textiles, a few in India. We went into a couple of lines in Portugal that were, we were introducing something called Ida Baviatri, and it was for an introduction to Viatri for people who couldn't afford what we did. Mm -hmm. But what we found is it's all better for us to stay in Italy as much as possible. Mm -hmm. It's who we are. We found that that second line wasn't, Everybody was buying everything together. It wasn't introduction. And then we thought, but we can do these things in Italy and help support the artisans. Right. Because so much is made in Asia now and so much is copied mm -hmm. that it's our responsibility to keep those artisans alive and doing beautiful work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have to tell you that, I, as I, I said before, I enjoyed reading the book so much and felt the sincerity of the relationships that you had with all of these companies in Italy. And of course, by the company, I mean the people of the yeah. companies. Obviously, you don't have the relationship with the company, but um, that just came through so much. And uh, it makes it makes it more understandable how warm and earthy and um, delightful the actual tablescapes are and the table settings that you're producing. So, and I, I think it really makes a difference when you're at the table when you have guests and you're bringing something to the table, you want it not only to taste wonderful, but you want it to look wonderful. And part of the presentation is the vessels or the napkins or the glassware or whatever it might be. And um, so I, I think even though I maybe have a a bias because I grew up with Italian things on the table. So it does kind of resonate with me. I still think it's absolutely really beautiful. And obviously other people do too. So it's not just me. 
But it's not just you. And, you know, Italy is the number one most important place for Americans to go on holidays. And we have said over and over, most people we meet, they've either, either been to Italy and they want to go again. Their family roots are Italian and they are so proud. Or they truly believe that in another life, they will be Italian. And <laughs> it's, you know, it you, you arrive in Italy and all of your senses become alive. Mm -hmm. No one asks you what you do. It's about what's in um, season and what flowers are growing and are the, are the hillsides changing colors and, you know, the wave or the, the confusion of hand motions or just everything related to a better, a good life, a simpler life, a kinder life, a caring about people and wanting to make a connection. And that's kind of what we all need and want and gets lost at times. So it continues to be just, even for me, somewhat of a fairy tale of 40 years that I've been able to do this. Well, Susan, thanks so much for spending time with us today. And it's been a delightful conversation. And thanks so much for what you do. Well, you're welcome, Liz. And thank you. I'm so glad to meet a Sicilian. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Learn more and subscribe to this and other podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook on Nitty Grits Podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.